This is the Hartford Online Radio Network. 21st Century Audio. Delivered. On the horn.com. Neither rain, nor snow, nor gloom of night will keep these podcasters from bringing you quality programming. This is On the Horns, open for business. We are the world's number one podcast. It really is great. I may be a little delirious because I'm hopped up on all sorts of great stuff, but uh, what we're doing here is exploring all things business, entrepreneurship, technology, marketing, customer service, and making a few bucks for yourself. Bandwidth, by the way, for On the Horn. Is provided by Amazon S3 servers. Amazon S3 is storage over the internet. You can retrieve any amount of data at any time from anywhere on the web. Highly scalable, reliable, secure, fast, and inexpensive, all from a name you trust, Amazon. For more information about Amazon S3 storage, you can visit amazonaws.amazon.com. This is episode number 57, Ways to Make Customers Love You. Open for Business is sponsored by Gateway Financial Partners, the accounting firm of Budwitz and Meyerjack, Deepwater Seafood of Avon, and CentralCTDental.com. I'm Brian Parker, and I am always joined by these two fine gentlemen. First guy is Zen Master, Tommy Russo, co-owner of L&R Productions, full service. What do you, full, do you call yourself a production house or an ad agency? I'm confused. We're two companies in one, Brian. We're You're, a full-service ad agency, and we're a full-service broadcast production company. Broadcast. What's the difference between broadcast and just commercial? What's, what's broadcasting? Well, uh, you know, I mean, there are producers that do produce shows, and there are producers that produce, you know, I don't know. Uh, okay, so these are smaller vignettes for commercial use or... It's not like uh, you're not going to do a featured film. Right. Okay. We're not going to do a featured film. But yet. you'll do, <clears throat> I noticed, what was it? Well, maybe it was your jacket. I noticed the new Britain Rockcats logo. You guys did that logo. Well, or not the logo, but the, uh, the, 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 the song. Jingle, the yeah, jingle. The which jingle. is great. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, we are also joined by Ken Cook, acclaimed author, speaker, Fortune 500 consultant, and contributor to Inc. Magazine. Now running Peer-to-Peer Advisors. Check them out at peer-to-peeradvisors.com. Hello, Ken. Hey, Brian. How are you doing, sir? Better than you. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. No gravel, no growl in your voice at all. I don't know. I should be doing car commercials right now. Yeah, there you go. Or monster truck races. <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Uh, our topic tonight, how to make your customers love you. That's a great way to make customers stick with you. I yes, wonder if is. there's a way to get people who aren't customers to love you to make them your customers. There is, and we will tell you how. Hang in there, folks. Hang in there. But first, Tommy has some Tommy quotes. Brings them in each week. Take it away, Tommy. All right. Oh, I don't get my special sound effect. We lost that last week, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, I think Dave erased it. Oh, nice going, oh, Dave. I'll Dave thank you later. So I've got an interesting spread here as far as the two quotes uh, and those that have provided them for us. The first one, uh, well, I'm not going to tell you what the first quote is, but I'll tell you the two people. Mahatma Gandhi. All right. All right, huh? That's cool or I what? Like that. I like that. Okay, and then Ben Cohen from Ben of Ben and Jerry's. Ah. All right, so interesting spread. Here we go. First one is, there is a spiritual aspect to our lives. When we give, we receive. 
When a business does something good for somebody, that somebody feels good about them. Let me read that one more time. There is a spiritual aspect to our lives. When we give, we receive. When a business does something good for somebody, that somebody feels good about them. And the next one is, a customer is the most important visitor on our premises. He is not dependent on us. We are dependent on him. He is not an interpret. Uh, I'm sorry. He is not an inter- interruption in our work. He is the purpose of it. He is not an outsider in our business. He is part of it. We are not doing him a favor by serving him. He is doing us a favor by giving us an opportunity to do so. And I'll read it this time without mistakes. A customer <laughs> is the most important visitor on our premises. He is not dependent on us. We are dependent on him. He is not an interruption in our work. He is the purpose of it. He is not an outsider in our business. He is part of it. We are not doing him a favor by serving him. He is doing us a favor by giving us an opportunity to do so. Boys. Mahatma Gandhi and Ben from Ben and Jerry's, huh? Yeah. Only because the second quote is so customer focused. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go with Ben. Yeah. And I'm going to put Mahatma Gandhi number one. Oh, you know, this, uh, this is gotta like, be. it's got to be the full moon again. I'm so happy. You're both wrong. <laughs> There's no way. Yeah, no, I'm telling you. Mahatma Gandhi, was that customer focused? Honest to God. What the hell was his business? <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't ask me. I didn't maybe, know he had maybe a business. Just, I think it just was proven that religion is just another business. <laughs> yeah. I think it was bobblehead dolls. I'm not my sure. Gosh. That I was, surprises uh, me. Yeah, isn't that a surprise? Oh so, yeah. boy, I made my day here, guys. Oh. Anyway, Ken, using Mahatma Gandhi as our segue point, let's bounce over to the hot potato and, and get us rocking and rolling on that. I, I haven't got the, any clue as to how that segues to this, but I'll go there anyhow. <laughs> okay. Uh, hot potato item number one, turf wars are continuing. Apple CEO Tim Cook, extremely sorry for the iPhone Maps function. Indicative of the incredible battles for the smartphone and the ownership of the mind of the user of the smartphone, because that's the device that everybody's using to plug into the world. And for those that aren't aware, Apple dumped Google Maps, introduced their own iMaps application, and as Brian illustrated to us before we started today, they had one direction that had you dr- taking a right turn off of I-280 off of the it's, bridge. It's their logo. It's their logo, which is the exact same logo as the old. Well, here's the thing. The <clears throat> the maps. I know I wasn't going to talk. <laughs> yeah. <you> said, <laughs> surprise, surprise. I'm going to take headphones. Okay. <laughs> so the, the old uh, maps that you would have on your... Apple devices, your yeah. iPhones, your iPads. It was actually an Apple application, but it was all the Google Map data. Yeah, it yeah. was all the data uh, from Google. So we just we got into the habit of calling it Google Maps because it really kind of was. But what they did was they took the logo, which is this Route yep. 280, yep. and a little in- intersection, and they put a car on it, a little blue line, making a, you know, it's going kind of north and then takes a left-hand turn. But if you look at the actual map, that means that you've, you're driving onto the overpass, jumping off, and getting onto Route 80, as opposed to taking the exit ramp, which is a little further up. Gotcha. So, but, you know, that's just a little microcosm of how Apple is going to, I think, be different now, because that would never have happened 
with Steve Jobs at the helm. Well, that boy, attention yeah, to detail yeah. would never have happened. But curiously, there is a lot of praise for how they handled the fiasco. The fact that they came out right in front, apologized for it, gave instructions on how to get online and use... Use their competitors. Use competitor use, apps. We Use Wave, use Google, use yeah. uh, MapQuest. And we promise we will fix it. It it basically diffused what could have been a disaster. Now, I agree with Brian that the likelihood of, if Jobs was still around, of this being released in the form that it was, was slim to non-existent. But let's assume for a second that Jobs is still around and it was released. How would have Jobs handled what Cook did the other day? Would it have been the same approach or would he have, yeah. you know, been his typical arrogant SOB self? Oh, I what, think what did they call that? Uh... Something of disbelief. Re, re, no, the reality distortion. Dis reality distortion field. Yes, that's what would have happened. Exactly. Okay, you he think would have so? said, <laughs> we are merely trying to get you to your place faster and more efficiently. And so follow that, you know, jump off the bridges with us. You'll live and you'll probably get there faster. <laughs> right. I, you must have, We're sure of it. I think it's a prerequisite that you had to read Isaacson's book to understand that. Right. Well, yeah. The, for those of Who you hasn't, that, Who hasn't read that? Guilty. Have, okay. Oh. Oh, you, I think you would enjoy you have it. To, I'll buy it for you if you need to me to buy it because it's really <laughs> that good. Not necessary. It's really that good. It All is right. that good though. And you know what? I'm actually it was so good. I want to look up other books that Isaacson has written. He's a biographer. And, yes. and check those out. Yeah. Yeah, he's brilliant. But uh, keeping in line with Hot Potato News, close on this one, but the lessons to be learned uh, the turf wars continue for the massive, massive, massive market of smartphone ownership. And when you have a fiasco, address it right up front. Yeah. I'm all, all for that. All Absolutely. Right. So what's next, Ken? Hot potato number two. Facebook did the right thing for a billion bucks. Then buying Instagram, because Instagram is now kicking Twitter's butt on mobile app usage. Yeah, but monetize it, monetize it. Uh, I'm no longer getting impressed with just a bunch of users. I How are you going to make money? I don't know. monetization. Facebook, now that Facebook is worth, like, what, a buck sixty or something like that? <laughs> no, well, they're a little more than that, aren't they? <laughs> they're a little more than that. They're, they're like 15 or 20 or something like that. I have to like be that. somewhat of an optimist now that I'm on it. Now that I'm using it, yeah, I'm, no, I, I got to yeah. hang in there with them. There you go. But uh, it turns out, and I see this actually with... Uh, People that I, my friends on Facebook, a lot of them are just posting a ton of pictures through Instagram. I have a niece that's attending college in London, and virtually every other day there's Instagram photos posted. I have another niece that uh, lives in Philadelphia, and we get the twilight shots of the Ben Franklin Parkway and the art museum and Rocky in the background and all that stuff. It's all Instagram, and they're liking the pictures more than they do 140-character tweets. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. There's a, there's a lot to that. Uh, there's a guy, uh, Trey Radcliffe, who's a photographer who now lives in uh, I think New Zealand or Australia. Uh, wildly famous on the internet. His website is really just pictures with a couple words, um, to help you navigate stuff. Yeah, and uh, he has said that his contention is that we are moving from a society of 140 characters to pictures only you know he's really taking that picture worth a thousand words yeah that's what people want to see and you know what i don't he might not be wrong do you know what these internet memes are 
there are these little cars that have these like you know like nothing little sayings uh, on them that are you know sometimes prophetic sometimes are just you know people bitching about something or other but instead of someone typing those on there they actually make a picture of it All and right. put it up there i mean, you mean you, like a poster yeah like here's one uh you know instead of someone just writing writing this everything i need to know about anger management i learned from lizzie borden now i don't know who lizzie borden is but borden apparently took an axe and 40 wax lady okay so instead of someone just writing that <laughs> like da -da -da -da, they've created this what you what you call a card but it's just like a picture with those words on it instead which is just kind of bizarre okay i'm, I'm gonna take you back uh, let's go 1870s quilts and they quilted pillows that's what those are those are yes. quilted pillows you on know the what? internet you're right yeah what a great analogy that's an excellent excellent we analogy. are what 145 147 years later Quilted pillows on the internet. There you go. I love that. I Quilted pillows. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yep. That's what they are. Messages, I mean, what's old is new again. Right. Hmm. My mother had one that said, raising children is like being pecked to death by a thousand angry ducklings. <laughs> and that's what you put your head on when and you went to sleep at night, isn't it? <laughs> my question, Brian, is are you an only child? <laughs> no, no. Okay. You can blame it on your siblings. That's then. right. <laughs> All right, moving on. Tommy, you got one. Well, yeah, the, the last on the list, and Brian, you have it there in front of you. I forgot to print it out, is that Google, for the first time, its stocks out uh, outperformed uh, Microsoft. And that seemed to be, right. yeah, it seemed to be a, a pretty significant piece of news on Yahoo yesterday. Uh, and for me, I, you know, I was left with a few things. One, you know, go Google. And obviously, they've got a whole lot of initiatives going on. Brian, you know this probably better than any of us. But as I shared with you earlier, Ken, it just struck me that it seems that we're not making, and this is not breaking news, obviously, but we're not making things anymore. The, you know, the, mm. the, the industries that seem to be really getting the most, you know, talked about and the most investment going on are those that are all, you know, one way or another technology driven. Technology internet driven. Right, exactly. Yeah. Technology device is still going strong. And there, people make that, but they make it with 200,000 employees at Foxconn in China. They don't make it here. That's right. So, I yeah, mean. Should, now, should I feel bad about having the iPhone 5 that, was basically built by slave labor in China. No, it's a pretty phone. Okay, yeah. so it's cool. Okay, that's where I was. I just didn't know if I was being shallow. And if but if, if Ken the, Cook says I'm not being shallow, then okay. If the guilt no, gets to you, I, give I, it I to me. I said you shouldn't feel guilty. I said nothing about being shallow. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Son, you're so shallow. You're a dry puddle. <laughs> it's curious though. Just one thought on the Google Microsoft. Am I the only one that's starting to think about Microsoft as an old, stodgy company? Uh, well, it's an interesting You know, if, if it wasn't for the fact that they were rolling out this uh, Windows, whatever the heck it's called now, this new operating system, which is very tile-based, it's very, uh, very Apple-esque, is really what it is. But I think Microsoft still, I mean, you know. They still th own there the ain't PC no one market. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you want a computer... You know, it's if Microsoft. You say, yeah, chances are someone has a PC. Yes. Even Mac users probably have a PC somewhere. Business runs on 
on Microsoft PCs. So is it that they don't have a sexy, for lack of a better word, product that pushes through, you know, like the iPad, like the iPhone, like, you know, whatever? Is that part of what creates that know. stodginess? But I think you bring up an interesting point. I mean, Brian says that they're coming out with a new operating system, and it's like, okay, ho-hum, they need another round of big revenue, so they're going to introduce something new. Yeah, but it, this one is not like, uh, this is not like going from, you know, this isn't a Vista. NT or, you know, you know, it wasn't like one of those evolutions. This is a very different way of looking at your at your uh, Android tablet, at your phone, at your whatever. It's a very different way. Well, they, they will be a dinosaur prediction. They will be a dinosaur in 10 years, 15 at the most, if they do not find a way to own the smaller platforms, whether it's the smartphone or the pads. Yeah, but you know, I, I I don't. Microsoft is a software company. It is. They're not. They don't actually make PCs. There's not a Microsoft PC. No, but their software doesn't dominate the smartphone market today. Their software does not dominate the pad market today. Uh, yeah. No, you're right. That's a great point. Yeah. It doesn't. But just just because there aren't enough out out there. But that's, but you know who what they probably need to do is partner up with someone like HP. Yeah. Who makes devices. But HP has said, eh, I don't think that's a business we want to be in. That's then that's not. The I, I don't really know. They I mean, need, other they than need a printers, platform. I don't really know what HP is doing for the world. Nor do I. They make great printers. They do. They I do. love HP printers. All right, the potatoes have cooled. Potatoes have cooled, and using that is a really bad segue, and and, and getting all of my inspiration. You from gave this. me a bad one. I'm giving one right back. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to read a commercial here from one of our most trusted and loved sponsors, and that's CentralCTDental.com. It's the home of Doctors Camp, Sambor, and Lupini. So if there's a serious issue that you're dealing with or just simply a routine checkup, there is simply nowhere else to go. They're really easy to get to. They are on the Plainville-Farmington line. You can pick up the phone at any point in time and call them at 860-747-5761. Or, even better, with all this technology talk, you can make an appointment with them online at centralctdental.com. One more time, folks, it's the homes of Dr. Camp, Sambor, and Lupini, centralctdental.com. So, Ken. Thank you, Tom. You're welcome. Let's talk about loving our customers and our customers, more importantly, loving us. Well, I love this topic, not to play on the word, but mostly because it it really is at the core and at the heart of what we're going to be doing thematically going forward, which is getting and keeping customers. I mean, you will find as the podcasts roll out weeks and weeks from now, we're going to pay a lot more attention to getting customers and keeping them. And the core message of this one of seven ways to get customers to love you. And you have a backup with at least four or five more on top of that. It it basically is all about, Having customers experience you in a way that builds trust and in a way that they absolutely want to do business with you. So what I'll do, I'm going to read the seven real fast, and then let's just dig into them if we can. Sounds like fun. Number one, make building the relationship more important than making the sale. Number two, create opportunities for the customer to buy rather than opportunities for you to sell. Number three, Have meaningful conversations and never give a sales pitch. 
Number four, be curious about the customer as a person and let the friendship evolve from that. Number five, don't try to be a hero who swoops in to solve the customer's problem. Number six, believe in your heart that you and your firm are the best at what you do. And finally, number seven, deliver exactly what you promise to deliver, no matter what. I like it. Yeah. Um, I have a couple issues with a few things. All right. I always relate <laughs> stuff to me because I'm a selfish bastard, and I know that. Hmm. But uh, make building the relationship more important than the sale. Yes. I get that. But there are people out there. You You have to have a sixth sense when someone is just going to be wasting your time. There are sad, sad people out there who just want to be loved. Yes. And you can waste a lot of time building a relationship that's going to be one way, you giving and them just taking. Yes. So you have to have that sixth sense to say, you know what, there might not be anything in this. And you can spend, you know, be a good person and all that kind of stuff, but don't kill yourself on uh on building every single relationship to its absolute peak because it might not. I agree with that. Yeah, that's a really excellent point. Uh, believe in your heart that you and your firm are the best at what you do. Well, this is that hedgehog concept for me. Yeah. And, and it's sort of, you know, we do investments. So no one is the best, okay, in investments. We all have our little strategies and all that kind of stuff. And this quarter, mine is the best. And next year, this one's the best. And two years from now, I might be at the top again. It, you know, it, there is no always the best. So how do you kind of reconcile that? I think the way to, that I am going to try to reconcile it is uh, clearly identify what the strategy is and just present it and say, this is what we can do. We're not always going to shoot the lights out. But if you're okay with getting rid of all the other nonsense that I consider nonsense, like, you know, uh, hard selling uh, certain stocks or mutual funds or annuities or whatever, whatever, whatever. If you want to get rid of all that, and you just want to kind of put this a little bit on a, on a path that makes sense. Mm -hmm. then, then I'm your guy because I'm that I can say I'm one of the best. But I can't in my heart say that I'm the best because I know other guys out there that do similar things to me. I think they're great. Well, I they're, think they're terrific. You are the perfect example of commodity product. I mean, financial advice is a commodity product in my mind. I mean, there which they, sucks. Let me tell you, it does. I mean, it is. I didn't very get into this to be a commodity. It's difficult to differentiate on the product slash service that you offer. However, being the best at what you do, you just demonstrated clearly, and that is, one, your expertise. I have enough knowledge about what's going on to know that anybody that tells you they're the best is lying to you. Because there is no best except for any one moment in time or any window of time. The second thing that you demonstrated you're best at is your quality of communication. You were able to clearly enunciate and explain to a customer that, this is what we do. This is the ups of it. These are the downs of it. This is what you're going to get. These are the expectations. And I think, Tommy, that was one of the ones in yours, setting clarity around your expectations. Yeah, absolutely. You know, for me, I would go back to that. And maybe there's a rewrite on that, that particular point. 
And it's not necessarily that you're the best, but that you are going to do your best mm-hmm. every single time you step to the plate. And, and if you, if that's the clear focus and intention for you as a business person, every time you're serving your clients, that you are really digging deep to make sure that you do the best by them mm-hmm. every single time, mm-hmm. then you can't determine what your client's experience is. All you can do is determine what your intention is. And that client in that moment can say, you're the best for me. Yeah. I can't believe that you've done that. You yep. are the best for me. And so that, to me, puts a whole different spin uh, on that. And I think that's a winning combination. I agree. I agree. And in, uh, to build on what you're saying, Tommy, being the best at what you do, it does not have to be defined by your product or service. Being the best at what you do means delivering the best, as you just said. Absolutely. Yeah. And having the client ultimately have that experience because you can believe that in your head and your heart. But if they're still looking at you cross-eyed because you've missed something, then who cares what you're thinking about yourself? Yeah. Now, I'd like to circle around the first three of them. Okay. Building relationships more important than making the sale. Opportunities for customers to buy rather than opportunities to sell. And number three, meaningful conversations instead of giving a sales pitch. There are sales managers all across this country right now that are sitting there saying, God, that is such BS. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I have yeah. a quota that's due at the end of this month. Yeah. I have a quota that needs to be met by the end of the year. I have seven sure. salespeople working for me, and Tom, Dick, and Harry are doing great, but Mary and Jane are not. And I got to figure out a way to get Mary and Jane to perform better. And Sales, for any sales professional, is always defined as a numbers game. And what I want to try and do to address that for all these sales managers and salespeople out there is saying that as long as you treat it as a numbers game, you are going to be with 80% of the other people competing on a product or service differentiation. You are not going to compete on a relationship differentiation. Someone is not going to know, like, and trust you before they think about what it is that you do or what it is that you offer. If you want to be in the elite 20%, what I call the rainmakers, you have to compete on a relationship, period. It is always the relationship first. The opportunity to buy will present itself, but it's always the relationship You know what? I think that the problem is having, A, the expertise, having this in one person, the expertise, technical expertise, and the ability to say, I'm going to uh, be the rainmaker, the relationship guy. Yep. Being in tune. Because I will tell you, I, I, I've been sort of both. I've been in situations where I've really developed a great relationship. And as I'm learning more about what this person needs, I'm saying to myself, okay, I need to call some people. Yeah. Because. <laughs> I ain't got it. I ain't got it. That's the absolute best thing you could do is to call somebody because you were generous at that point. You recognize what's needed. Now, the other way is, and I've also been on this standpoint of, I am, this is a big sale. I'm 100% qualified. I'm probably overqualified. I'm going to shoot the lights out. And this person just wants to drag on and drag on. And I, I get frustrated because I'm like, look, you got to get off the pot. You know, okay. like, let's go already. Think about... That's the evil Brian. Uh, big sale. <laughs> All right. We'll put, we'll put a number on it. This person has got 
twenty million dollars to invest. He had eight, but okay. Eight million dollars to invest. <laughs> nice number. Nice big round number. Yeah. They're sitting there saying, "All right, what it's, am I going to do? And, and Where two, am I going to so put what, it?" So what that means is that means about forty thousand dollars a year. Okay, so it's a big number for you. It's a so, big so number it's, for them. It's a nice, nice number to get. Sure, you've demonstrated through your product and your strategy that I can take care of your eight million, and you'll be yeah. one happy camper. Yes, and they're sitting there not getting off the pot. Right. The and, reason is, and I'm going to surmise something here. The reason is that the risk factor that they perceive is still greater than the expertise that you've demonstrated. It I is don't think all so. about their risk. I think people. If it seems like too easy, uh, in, in my experience, anecdotally, for this particular case, mm-hmm. he wanted to be more schmoozed. I was up against some, you know, big, big name firms, the J.P. Morgans, the just huge firms. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's like, yeah, you're, you're the guy. And then, you know, boy, you didn't take me to dinner. You didn't take me on the golf course. You didn't take me to dribble, dribble, dribble. So let me ask it you this. It matters. And I'm kind of like the... Christmas sake. Really? I really got to do this? All right, fine. So I got to spend, you know, to, to make $40,000, I got to spend another three months. Oh, folks, if you could see his body language right now. <laughs> I got to spend another three months and five grand schmoozing the guy just to get the sale. And you know what I do? I do it. But I hate it. I hate it. I and like you don't that. think he knows that? Yeah, I guarantee you he knows that. I would think uh, my encouragement to you in that moment, Brian, would find ways to retool that energy and let it go. Let go of the hate. Recognize it's part of the process. It's not going to happen every single time. I know easier said than done. I'm a hater. Well, but that would be my my recommendation. Enjoy the process and let it go and and, and know that at the end end run, you're going to bring the bacon home. So you spent an extra two, three, four, five thousand dollars. And had a few dinners that you probably didn't need. Do it anyway. But this is the difference between selling something and building a relationship. Because the person on the other side of the chair, on the other side of the table, is sitting there assessing risk. Yeah. Buying decisions are 100% emotional, regardless of what anybody tells you. And that emotion is founded greatest in risk. What do I fear? What is going to hurt me the most? And if I have $8 million and I got that because I sold my business and I gained, I'm 66 years old and I got no other way to make money going forward from here, that $8 million is got, that's it. That's all there is. And for some people that may seem like more than enough in his world, it may be just enough. Regardless, you can't judge how he looks at it. You just have to help him alleviate the risk in his mind. I wonder if it's the, it's the, it's, because I feel more comfortable in complicated situations where I have to kind of navigate a little bit. And when I see, which is you know, it's a big what? piece, when I have to navigate, you know, complexities in a certain person's plan and all that kind of stuff, where there's a lot of different moving parts. So you're comfortable with the complexity because of the strategy. Because it's kind of fun. Like, I really get to kind of get in there and be like, ooh, now I've got to call people. Didn't Not we talk about this? We this did. is exactly what Tommy and I were talking about earlier. This really? is somebody who absolutely loves what they do, gets into a business because they are great at baking a loaf of bread, so I'm going to open a bakery. Yeah. I'm great at financial strategy, so I'm going to become a financial strategy expert. But it is not about building relationships. It is all about the passion for what you do. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. Because I get more relationship oriented and in tune 
when I have more complex things to communicate. Yeah. And I think when I have, like, I'll just say it, layups, I'm kind of like, yeah, I wonder if I can hire someone else to do this for me. Well, Can you just go take care of this guy? In line with what we're trying to do, Yeah, I'm going to give a simple layup here okay. to people that understand relationships and have just the best at what they do. Tommy, you're on. Okay, well, you know, thank you, sir. And I think it's what you're saying to me, Brian, is is that you like to get in deep. Would that be a fair assessment? Tommy, what I'm trying to Are we tell stumbling you. into the segue or what? Tommy, what I'm saying is, I like to go deep, baby. You're so deep. I like my seafood from deep, deep, Ladies deep and gentlemen, waters. the white version of Barry White. <laughs> hey, baby. Uh, we're going to segue. I'm sorry, folks, but this is deep water seafood of Avon. Okay, here we go. That's right. Have you been to the only fish market in the Farmington Valley? Yes, I have. Okay, well, that's good to know. It's deep water seafood, and it's located on Route 44, and they are open six days a week. On the seventh day, they're out dragging the nets in. That's Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 6.30 p.m., and Saturdays, 10 to 10 a to 5 p. One of the best things about deep water is that their fish is fresh, and we mean fresh. Three deliveries daily to meet your needs. Deepwater has, oh, let's see, what do they have? They have grilled fish items. They have scampi. They have fish and chips. They have soups, bisque and even chowder, some of the best New England clam chowder ever. For your catering needs, authentic paella, cedar plank, salmon sides, and always the traditional New England clam bake. Deepwater also has the very best shrimp cocktail that you'll find anywhere. Brian will tell you that's the it truth, was. the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Call in your order at 860-676-9657. Let me give that to you again. 860-676-9657, and they'll have your order ready for pickup when you arrive. There's only one place in the Farmington Valley, and that's Deepwater. Where are you, Brian? <laughs> Seafood of Avon, not just for the halibut. You couldn't wait to get back to that tagline, <laughs> could you? <laughs> but people, Deepwater's a great example of what we're talking about, though. They build relationships. I mean, Brian's party over the summer. We weren't invited, but I understand it was a great smashing success. Right. And Deep Water was one of the reasons, but it wasn't. Their food was outstanding. Their catering services were outstanding. But the reason that it worked is because of the relationship that Brian had built with them and them with Brian. It was the kind of thing that, yeah, Brian will always go back to deep water because he knows they'll take care of him. He just thinks they're good people. I love those people. guys, man. I love them. Guys. I know that. Tommy, what are some of the other things that you had there? Well, interesting article here from Spring Metrics. It's a blog that uh, is put out on a weekly basis. And theirs is a little bit of a different spin in the sense of how to love your customers as opposed to your customers loving you. But I, I believe in my heart of hearts that it ends up uh, hopefully with the same end result that there is a love relationship. Love same affair. coin, different sides. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And they've got what they, what they consider the five key ingredients, at least for them and their firm. And obviously encouraging us to take their five recommendations and put our own spin to it. The first one is what they refer to as set honest expectations. So for your customer, your product is the one you sell today, no more, no less. They want you to be crystal clear that you, that you and the customer understand what the expectation is. 
Next one is to see into the future. And I really like this one. And I think for us, it's a challenge, you know, to be able to be that soothsayer for all the different kinds of personalities and businesses that we deal with. But what they're saying is in working with our customers, we occasionally see them heading down the roads that they are likely that aren't likely to be fruitful or in some cases will lead to a Uh, bad experience. Okay. and, And Ken, you would be, I think, a great example of that with the individuals that you work with with peer-to-peer yeah and you get a chance to hear some of their stories and for you to be able to plug in i've and i've seen you in action on this Mm -hmm. to be able to say to me or anyone else in the group you know that sounds like a great idea but you might want to be concerned that this is what the outcome will prove to be Yeah. yeah and that's what they're suggesting on a regular basis now needless to say that requires a significant amount of research to know that customer's business and industry yep. intimately well. Yeah. The next one is touch and then touch again. And you and I have been talking- Marketing about, forever. That's that's exactly it. To yeah. reach out and find ways to constantly stay in touch with your client. You know, And if yep. you have to make them up, then go along and make them up as well. For all of you out there, I'm sorry to say, you got to find time for marketing every week. I love what we talked about last week in that, yeah. you know, the, the, what was it? A, a marketing tip a day was I forget. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The next one in line is build a legitimate relationship. And we just hit on that one hard. We've been talking about that. And then the yeah. last one I thought was really cool. Uh, and maybe it just hits you know, my crazy bone, funny bone, but it says get a little bit cr- crazy. Now, when I read this, what they suggested was crazy for them. I don't see it as that, but for them, they did. Our support guru, Drew Mooney, came up with the idea of sending a personalized welcome video to every new customer. It sounded a bit crazy at first, but we ran with the idea, and now it's a signature piece of our welcome process. That Drew guy is just crazy. There you go. Yeah. Now, again, I don't view it as that crazy, maybe because it's meat and potatoes for the industry that I'm in. Yeah. But nonetheless, they're suggesting for you to step way out of the box, think way out of the box, and be able to bring that so that you stand out, that you're unique, and different things become that no one else would do would become a signature for you know yep. your contact with the, with your clients. Beyond ex, beyond the expected, not expectations, but beyond the expected. Not, it's the kind of thing that. Uh, I send books. I mean, Amazon and Barnes and Noble, I mean, I'm one click to buy on everything. And I see a book that somebody I think will like, boom, it's off and running. And you've done that for me and and a CD or two. Yeah. And it's unexpected and it's not crazy. Well, I guess it is crazy in some worlds. So crazy is personally defined, but I like getting crazy because it always keeps your mind fresh that's a good thing yeah definitely i think the bottom line though again thematically with getting and keeping customers is if you want them to love you and you love them treat them as people don't treat them as customers the minute i always tell people if you're going out with a product or service to a customer think of them the minute before you walk in their door as your brother or sister. And how would you treat your brother or sister <laughs> in this situation? <laughs> I don't want to hear about your siblings. <laughs> but how would you treat your brother or sister? And that's how you should treat them. Treat them like a family member because then you will not attempt to do something that is not for their best interest. 
if the product or service you have isn't the best solution, you won't bring it to them. If it is the best solution, you'll feel obligated to bring it to them. Shame on you if you don't. Right. Yeah. The only only thing I might expound on a little bit there would Please. be maybe instead of brother or sister, but children. Oh, even better. Right? Even better. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you're going to bring that constant love and concern, and I have the best interest of your future in mind. Yep. All of that rolled into one. Yeah. You've heard me use the term a lot, Tommy, practical intimacy. And there's a lot of people that would be uncomfortable with that, but in a business context, I really think it's important. Uh, you you got to show a little bit of love, but do it in a practical way. There you go. Just a little practical intimacy goes a hell of a long way. So let's go back to your list for a second here. All right. Um, what, one of the, I mean, I loved it, but one of the things that I was struck with is, do you feel that that was a prioritized list, or did they just put it together randomly? And if that's your interpretation, which was mine, how would we prioritize that list? What would we put on the very top as opposed to what they have on the very top? Are you following my thinking? Yeah. To, to your first point, and... I don't know if it's a prioritized list, and it's certainly not an all-inclusive list. Right. But if I were to prioritize it, the most important thing to me is the relationship first. Me too. Once you establish the relationship, then you have the ability to talk honestly to each other. Are you paying attention, Parker, over there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I like the don't try to be a hero who swoops in to solve the customer's problem. To me, that says be humble. That's what that says to me. I like that. Be humble. Yeah, and I think also be honest and be authentic. You know, and doing what you did in, with one of your client situations. I do this all the time. When I have a client that says to me, uh, ask me a question that I don't have the answer to it, I'm going to be humble in that moment and say, boy, you've got, a, you've got a great question. And I'm sorry, in this moment, I don't have the answer, but I am absolutely convinced I'll have it to you in 24 or 48 hours. So if you have some patience, hang in there with me and I will get the answer to that question for you. Yeah. And I've never once had a client look at me cross-eyed at that point. If anything, thank you. I appreciate it. And I'll look forward to hearing back from you. Yeah. And just the last thought on that one, if you think about how women deal with each other, they frequently don't look for answers from their friends. They just want a sympathetic ear. Wouldn't hurt for guys every now and then to touch the feminine side of themselves in that regard. Oh boy, it wouldn't be the <laughs> wouldn't be the first time I've may, heard I may, that. I might phrase that differently <laughs> next time. Can we edit that? <laughs> and thank you all for listening to us. All right, I'm Brian, out of here. Brian's in touch with his feminine side in this moment. Woo, baby. <laughs> we couldn't oh, do the Lordy. show without the help of our sponsors, who who may or may not want to know uh, about what he just said. Uh, Amazon.com, Gateway Financial Partners, the accounting firm of Budwitz and Meyer, Jack Deepwater Seafood of Avon, and Central CT Dental. Com. Very special thanks to our chat room moderator, Evan Richards. We're closing up shop for this week, but join us next Tuesday night at 5 when we will once again be open for business. Cheers. Take care.